You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined by my good friend, Chris Flum, and we're going to go through some of the injured players in the 2022 NFL Draft. Because the Giants, sadly, unfortunately, they're no strangers to injuries and they're no strangers to suffering those injuries in season. They're no strangers really, I guess you could say at least in the last 10 years to selecting some injured players. If we go through some players recently, like Aziz Ojolari in 2021, he fell in the draft because he had a knee injury. Giants were able to trade back twice and still get him in the second round. Now still early, but it seems like that has worked out still some time to tell. But if we go back to the compensatory draft of 2018, when Dave Gettleman selected Sam Beal, who had a really bad degenerative shoulder injury, that definitely didn't work out. Oa Adigazua in 2015, who had hip injuries at UCLA, that definitely didn't work out. So should those past mistakes, at least those two, do they give the Giants any kind of pause going forward? Because if we look at some of these players we're about to go over, there's a lot of talent there who could be had at value. And obviously the New York Giants, they have their team doctors who will evaluate all of these players. And Chris and I are not those doctors, but it's still, I think, a fair question to say, would you select a player like a David Ajabo who tore his Achilles at pick 36 when there are other players who are healthy and comparable in play at 36 who can immediately impact your team? David Ajabo recently tore his Achilles and it looks like he could still be a first round pick to a really good team who has the luxury to allow him to sit. But he's a player we're going to go over. We're also going to go over LSU cornerback Derek Stingley, who had a fractured ankle. Clemson cornerback Andrew Booth, who had core surgery. And then wide receivers from Alabama, Jamison Williams, John Mechie III, both had torn ACLs. And then the wide receiver from Georgia, George Pickens, who also had a torn ACL but returned later in that season to have an impact during the national championship game. But before we get into that, Chris, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well. You know, at some point we're going to have to come up with a name for this show, which I think people have kind of uh, realized by now that we are now podcast partners. Uh, I don't think we're going to crowdsource the name. So we don't wind up with something like, uh, I don't know, Potty McPod face or Potty McPod voice. I don't know. But you know, we are going to have that. to come up with yeah some kind of name that is hopefully catchy. <laughs> Yeah, we'll tackle that in the future, I'm sure. But right now, we're in the middle of the NFL draft season. The Giants are making moves every single day. And we're going to talk about these injuries. So I want to start with probably the the player with the highest profile, which I don't even know if that's fair because Derek Stingley Jr. and Andrew Booth and Jameson Williams, I mean, all these guys have high profiles. But one that it seems like Giant fans are really interested in, and that is David Ajabo, who was probably going to be a top 20 pick, excellent pass rusher who – was a little bit new to football, wasn't as great anchoring down against the run, and he was subbed out a lot against Georgia late in season because he doesn't seem to he, – he was somewhat of a liability, to be honest, against the run. But now he tore his Achilles. It looks like he's going to miss this entire season. Not everybody is Cam Akers. If he's sitting there at pick 36, Chris, do you think you would pull the trigger on that, or does it kind of 
rely on the fact that there are other players with comparable value who are around. What is your thought process on that situation? Well, as you mentioned in the introduction, you know, neither one of us are doctors. We have no idea what his medical reports are like. We don't know what his long-term prognosis is like. And I think that is that really kind of complicates the evaluation for us you know, on the outside. If I had assurances that Ajabo would be able to even get three good years out, the you know, his sophomore year, third year, and then the final year of his rookie contract, and be the same kind of athlete that he was on the field for for Michigan. I would think lo- I would have to think long and hard about not pulling the trigger and seeing who else is available. You know, if for some insane reason Jermaine Johnson is still available, I would go I would go for Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. Having a player with an injury red flag, especially a very recent injury like Ojabo, like Jameson Williams or John Mechie out of Alabama. You know, two guys who they could could have been the two top receivers in this draft class if they hadn't gotten hurt. That definitely adds uncertainty. It adds risk. And teams, they they have to be cautious, cautious when it comes to assessing risk because, well, it's their jobs on the line. They're investing a lot of money in these young men, and they need those investments to pay off, especially at the top of the draft. In terms of Ajabo, too, I think that that's an interesting one because a lot of people thought Ajabo could be a selection for the Giants at seven. I always thought that was a bit rich, uh, to be frank with you. But at 36, I do believe this is a, a realistic conversation to at least have, where the issue that I have with it is the Giants are in a complete rebuild mode. That is true. And while Ajabo, while Ajabo won't help the Giants in 2022, and that doesn't necessarily, like, let's be honest, the Giants aren't going to be a competitive team next season, more than likely. So he should be ready, theoretically, by the next season, but are the Giants in a position right now with all the holes that are on their roster to spend a second round pick on somebody who it's not 100% certain if he's going to return to form? Yeah, and that, that I think is the big question and how you assess the risk with really each of these guys because each of these players, if they were completely healthy, they had been able to be healthy all of 2021 and have productive seasons each one of them would be probably a top 20 player in this draft. You know, each of those three receivers, the the two Alabama guys I just mentioned and George Pickens are really talented guys. You know, Pickens, he has some, he has, I believe the most, the most time from his injury. He, he tore his ACL in spring practices last year and was able to return for Georgia's national championship run averaged, uh, 20 yards a catch on well five catches but yeah he was able to get back on the field and contribute to that national championship run but then the other guys you've got Derek Stingley who it's been two years since he was a dominant cornerback and he's got that fractured ankle you know where is he we won't really know until until LSU's pro day which I believe they've got the last pro day so we've got a little bit of time to wait for that Andrew Andrew Booth he had that core surgery how is he going to recover from that how quickly will he recover will he be ready for the offseason program or preseason or the start of the season you know I, sitting here I just don't know the, the same with Ajabo and will Jameson Williams and John Mechie you know 
if they are ready to play for the start of the 2022 season, what are they going to be? You know, how much of their athleticism will they get back? And that is the big question. That is the big question. And in terms of at least Ojabo, he's somebody who only really had one real year of production. And same with Jamison Williams, if we're going to be honest, and kind of same with Derek Stingley, only that production happened to be in 2019 as a true freshman on one of the best college football teams we've seen in quite a while. So I, each of these cases are are pretty unique when you look at it. But if I had to pick one of these players that we're going through, and I, and I just feel like nobody is talking about him, despite him being just a reliable, gritty option on one of the best teams in the country, which is Alabama. And that is John Mechie the third. I feel like this guy in the NFL might value him a lot more than the media does. But in terms of the media, do you hear John Mechie's name all that much? No, not at all. You know, he has really slipped. I, I think he slipped between the cracks as far as the national media is concerned. And part of it, I think, is because he had that torn ACL. Yeah, you know, He's kind of been out of sight, out of mind. You know, people... I think they, they aren't really sure where he is in his recovery, where he will become draft time and uh, by the time training camp starts. And that does add that kind of uh, just not knowing. It kind of just knocks him off the back burner and, but, and behind the oven. And he is an athletic player. He's a really good route runner. That is a sophisticated offense they run down in Alabama. And if you can execute in it, at the level that Mechie has, you have to be a smart player and you have to be a good receiver. You know, we have seen so many good receivers come out of that Alabama offense over the years where, yeah, depending on these guys' medical reports, it really is worth investigating them. Absolutely is, man. Mechie is somebody that I feel like if he's around on, on day two, which it looks like he's more than likely going to be around like towards the third round, I think the Giants have to realistically think about pulling the trigger, even though we were just talking about someone like David Ajabo and then possibly not doing that. But in terms of Mechie, he tore his ACL in the SEC championship game against Georgia, whereas Jameson Williams tore it a couple weeks later in the national championship game against Georgia. Both of them could realistically be available for this season. Again, we're not doctors. We're not 100% certain. But both of those names really, really interest me. In terms of Mechie, the grit, all those things, I think you laid it out perfectly. And when you look at Jamison Williams, this is somebody who transferred over from Ohio State, couldn't crack the Ohio State roster behind Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. And then he transferred and he just had one of the best college football seasons recently, other than, you know, the Devontae Smiths and the Jamar Chases of the world. But for a transfer, somebody first year in the SEC just totally dominated. He has that. He might not be as fast as Jalen Waddle, but he has that Jalen Waddle type of, I'm going to stretch your defense threat. And he's also a nuanced receiver. I don't think, like, did this part of me that thinks the Giants might get very familiar with Jamison Williams and that the Philadelphia Eagles will use the luxury of them having three first round picks to select him. Would that scare you at all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having having guys that you know they, they know that Alabama offense and having uh, having Devonte Smith there, having Jalen Hurts there, they, they all speak the same language. And if a Jamison Williams or a John Mechie plays for Philly and comes back all the way healthy, that is suddenly a very scary passing attack. That's guys who can stretch the field and torch your defense deep or they can catch a short pass make a guy miss and pick up big chunk yardage you know 
the Eagles really don't need that kind of receiving threat along with their running game. They just, they just, they can pass on that. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd rather them, I'd rather not deal with the Jamison Williams uh, for an extensive amount of time inside the division. That wouldn't be all that fun for the New York Giants secondary. And then one player that we haven't talked too much about out of this big group is cornerback Andrew Booth. He had core surgery. I think Andrew Booth is a player that is scheme versatile. Ran a lot of zone down there in Clemson, but he can play man coverage. I love the fact that he is wildly aggressive coming downhill and run support. It's going to appeal to a lot of NFL teams. But now that he had core surgery, I wonder how far that drops him down the cornerback pecking order. Because if we look at some of these top cornerbacks in the draft, you have Stingley. But I think the number one consensus is probably Cincinnati's Sauce Gardner. He's somebody that I feel like would mesh so well with what Wink Martindale wants to do. I think Booth could. I think Stingley could. But Stingley's injuries and the fact that he hasn't had great play in two seasons give me pause. Where do you think this core surgery slides Booth on the pecking order of these top cornerbacks? And we should throw names like Trent McDovey from Washington, Kyrie Elam from Florida, Kyler Gordon from Washington as well into that mix. Yeah. I would say Booth could be anywhere from cornerback two to cornerback five right now because it, it really would come down, I think, to you know, how that core surgery is healing, how he's recovering from that, and where the various teams drafting, you know, how they value their corners and what they're asking from their corners. I'm with you. Sauce Gardner is the top corner for me. I would have absolutely no problems with the Giants taking him in the top 10, either five or seven. I figure if you can take, if you can take a guy at seven, you can take him at five. But then after them, I, with the injury concerns with Booth and Stingley, I wouldn't have a problem moving Elam up to cornerback two. And then, like you said, those two guys out of Washington, they aren't getting a whole lot of buzz, but they are really good players. Yeah, I think Gardner kind of disappointed a little bit at the combine, but he's at, he's athletic on tape. He can do just about anything you ask him to on tape. McDuffie is really good as well. Stingley, when he's at when he's on his game and playing up to his ceiling, he could be a shutdown corner. And then Andrew Booth is, as you say, really aggressive. He's versatile. It's just where yeah how is he doing how can you expect him to come back and play but 
also with these guys, you can't talk about them just in their rookie years. Yeah, you know, how will they be? How much of their athleticism will they lose for their third year? If it's none, and you expect them to project well into your defense, yeah, you know, that I think does change the the calculus some to the point where it's really just how much of a risk of re-injury is there, which I think it's kind of the root question for all of these guys. How much of a risk of re-injury is there for down their career? You know, how many games are they going to miss once they're pros? Yeah, especially for the Giants, as you said, the Giants probably aren't going to be competing for the NFC championship, probably not going to be competing for a wild card berth. So any of these guys, rookie season, yeah, I don't want to say it's it's a lost cause, but we can consider it maybe more of an investment in in getting a potentially great player in years two, three, and four. Uh, just to like a, take a slight tangent, go back to 2017, the Giants had been dealing with a ton of injury problems then as well. Uh, the 2017 season, they got their entire receiving core wiped out. But then you had the the 2017 draft. A lot of people, myself included, were mocking Ryan Ramchick, offensive tackle out of Wisconsin, to the Giants. But John Mara kind of put his foot down and said, no red flags. And Ramchick had an injury red flag that year. He had, I, I believe it was, I believe it was, uh, it was either a hip or a core muscle surgery himself. I think it was hip. Yeah, I think it was yeah. hip. And you know, the Giants wound up passing on him for Evan Ingram. And, you know, that that basically turned out to be Jerry Reese's last draft. He might have gotten more drafts if he had selected Ryan Ramchek. But that door had been closed because of collegiate injury concerns. And Ramchek has been healthy, as far as I know, in the NFL. And he's been an absolute stud, too. Well, yeah. Just another kind of... <laughs> Kind of unfortunate thing for the New York Giants. And in terms of Booth, if you're going to want a player like Andrew Booth, even with this core surgery, you're going to probably have to spend a first-round pick on him. The Giants just selected a cornerback who had core surgery right after the draft. Booth just had core surgery, I believe, last week. And we saw how long it took Aaron Robinson again. Neither of us are doctors. We do not know the extent of the injury, but I do think there are parallels that could be drawn from Andrew Booth and Aaron Robinson and how they both had that core surgery. And if the Giants, even though it's a different brass, would be hesitant to bring someone like that in. Although, if it's that at the right value, I mean, you could sign me up because I do respect Andrew Booth's game in totality. Oh, definitely. And Clemson took a pretty big step back last year, which is the kind of thing you can expect to happen when you go from having back-to-back arguably the best quarterbacks in college football to a, a guy who's going to need some development and work in DJ Ungalele. You know, of course, going back to Deshaun Watson, and then they went from Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence. And I think having those two guys really covered up a lot of, uh, we'll say, I don't want to say deficiencies on the Clemson roster because they always recruited well, but they were never quite the uh, recruiting or the uh, powerhouse that Alabama was. And yeah, they is. did well for them. Yes. <laughs> Clemson did well for themselves in terms of recruiting and they really built up like their, their facilities are just absolutely insane and very inviting towards 
you know, young prospects. I mean, I think they have a gigantic slide in their lobby, just like fun <laughs> stuff like that to, to try and steal some of those Southern recruits from schools like Alabama, LSU, Auburn, et cetera. But speaking of college football, before we get out of here, Chris, there were two big pro days that just happened and the Giants brass were in attendance for both of them. And that is, of course, Pitt's pro day with Kenny Pickett and then Liberty's pro day, which happened, I believe, on Tuesday, March 22nd with Malik Willis. And I don't know if you knew this, Chris, but Malik Willis, he could throw the football very far. Can he now? <laughs> that is a thing I definitely totally did not know. But <laughs> to be serious, yes, we know Malik Willis has an he has just an incredibly strong arm. His arm, I don't want to compare Willis as a prospect to Lamar Jackson, but I think there are some similarities in the way those two guys can throw the ball, where they can throw the ball 70 yards in the air, and it looks like they're just kind of flicking their wrist. It is legitimately impressive to watch Malik Willis throw. Yeah, from the folks I saw who are in attendance, he has done a much better job of throwing with touch and feel, which I think is what was really lacking in him as a passer. And I did see one video where he, from the 35 yard line, he threw his receiver out the back of the end zone and pretty much out of the field house. So yeah, he can throw the ball far. I think what's going to really appeal to teams is just the kind of joy he seems to play with because immediately after throwing that pass, he went and started celebrating with everybody around him. And it was, it wasn't kind of a, yeah, I'm that awesome. It was just a, I'm playing a game. I love type of celebration. And I, I can really see teams falling in love with that demeanor. And also can you pick it? His hands grew. <laughs> Kenny Pickett's hands grew. You love to see that. Now, I don't know how that happened, but it just seems like it seems like this happens a lot. Like we know Brandon Allen. Do you remember when he was coming out, how he had like a massage therapist massage his hands and his hands ended up growing by like, I think a fourth of an inch or something wild. Yeah, I do, I do remember that. And I, I think Pickett, the, the difference was only a measurement of something like an eighth of an inch, which, you know, I don't know, maybe his hands were a little bit puffy or something, or maybe he got massages or stretched his fingers out or something. I, I don't know. Uh, from what I from what I was able to see, he threw the ball well, which he always throws the ball well. That That I don't think is much of a concern with him. I think more of the concern is really just handling the Duke, yeah, handling the NFL ball and maybe ball security in bad weather, which, okay, that, that is, I think, a reasonable concern to have. But was ball security a problem for him at Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, famously known for its year-round <laughs> San Diego-like weather. <laughs> yes, beautiful weather out there in Pittsburgh. But to be fair, the, the NFL ball is slightly larger than the – than the NCAA ball, just just a little bit, I, I do believe, which could pose a problem. I think I think the conversation between Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett is a fascinating one in terms of the New York Giants, because I think we can both agree the New York Giants need a quarterback for the future. I'm not don't think it's going to be Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is the perfect bridge quarterback, 
but I'm not necessarily of the mindset that the Giants are in a position to select the quarterback, even though they have the bridge in place right now. I think they'd probably be best to just build their roster out this year, acquire a lot of picks, and then maybe next year's draft, if they even get a surplus of picks for next year's draft, they can go and trade up for a CJ Stroud or a Bryce Young or whoever. And then you also have Tyrod Taylor to be that bridge quarterback for that player, even though you're probably going to start that rookie player, but you have a veteran in place and Daniel Jones will more than likely not be on the roster because I doubt his fifth-year option would be picked up. Do you think I'm onto anything there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we were saying before we recorded, I, I, this is a considered a down year for quarterbacks, but the top four guys, I, I think any one of them can become a, an NFL, an NFL starter and a quarterback you can win with. You know, Malik Willis is a phenomenal athlete. He is a great thrower of the football. Yeah, Kenny Pickett is, I think, a very consistent player. He's accurate. He's quick. Uh, Matt Corral, he can hurt you in a variety of ways. He can move around in the backfield. He he can be accurate. He's gotten more consistent and better in his decision-making. Sam Howell, he can run with the ball. He can, he can throw the ball well enough. Yeah, I have some questions about his throws outside of the numbers, but yeah. I don't think any of these guys have really fatal flaws in their game. I'm not sure any of them are going to be superstar franchise players, but I do kind of get the feeling that the Giants best bet is, as you say, to acquire resources to build out their roster and position themselves for the next guy. Yeah, I think, Daniel Jones is going to have to have a phenomenal season to become the guy for Brian Dayball and Joe Shane, just because he is not their guy yet. Those two guys know that their futures are tied together. And I feel like they're going to want to have their quarterback in position. And, you know, maybe that's CJ Stroud out of Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State. Maybe that's uh, Bryce Young out of Alabama. I personally am a Bryce Young fan. I don't care if he's a little bit small. I, I like the way he plays the game. Maybe that's Spencer Rattler now at South Carolina. There were a lot of people comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, although maybe that's just his hair. Uh, he is a guy who could take a step forward and be the player people thought he was going to be at Oklahoma. You know, the next year's draft class looks to be a richer one at the quarterback position. Yeah, and I guess we're going to have to wait and see. And another thing on Daniel Jones, I don't think that this new brass that isn't necessarily tied to Daniel Jones is going to want to allocate the money that it's going to take to re-sign the quarterback. And Jones wouldn't reset the market or anything like that but they that he would still need to be paid money more than what he's already making. And the Giants aren't in a position to probably do that as of right now. So that, there's not a lot going for Daniel Jones unless he balls out, as you said. And one more thing. This is a tweet from New York Giant fan in Charlotte. That's New York Giant fan in CLT. He's a pretty good follow if anybody wants to go and check him out. He brought up how trades happened in the last few drafts around this time of year. The Jets traded in 2018 to move up to three. On March 16th, San Francisco last year moved up to number three on March 26th. So do we see any movement in the coming days with the Giants at pick five? If they feel like, hey, we don't know how that top 
these top four picks are going to shake out, but we can't pass up on this offer because it's so good. I think that's also interesting. But the Lions being this this team that could possibly use a quarterback may throw a monkey wrench into that because I don't think a team's going to want to trade up unless they're certain they're going to get, you know, the Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, or whoever they're interested in. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, we, I wouldn't be surprised to see a trade come, you know, in the next few days, maybe over the weekend, uh, just to peel back the curtain a little bit, Ed is going on a a little trip. Uh, you are going to be going on a little trip, and that is when the Giants always love to do any kind of any kind of deal, any kind of business. <laughs> yeah. We could see the Giants trade back over here. We could see a uh, some kind of movement with Saquon Barkley or James Bradbury, basically just when, you know, life kind of happens for us. That That is usually their cue to just do something and make a splash. I'll book it right now, Chris. It's definitely going to happen. Alrighty, everybody. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Big Blue View Radio. We'll have a name shortly. We will. We're going to come up with it. If anybody has any good ideas, you can slide into my DMs on Twitter and hit me up, and I think I will definitely entertain that. Alrighty, everybody. For Nick Filato, for Chris Flum, for Big Blue View, please head on over there. Check us out. Subscribe, like, comment, review, all the good stuff. Please take care of each other as well. Take care, everybody, now. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.